Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome in to episode 202 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, and we thank you once again for joining us, whether you listen on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever it may be. Do not forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and take a couple seconds to also leave us a written review and a five-star rating. Help us continue to get our name out there and reach more people. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, on your desktop, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus from your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Got a, another great interview coming up for you here in just a second. Kevin Cabo, almost I started to say Kevin Bow. Cabo, uh, Coach Cabo, is going to be interviewing Jordan Wicks, Kansas State pitcher from Arkansas, who is going to be definitely picked in the upcoming MLB draft. Going to talk some baseball with him and recruiting and all that good stuff. A good about 22-23 uh, minute interview. There was going to be one that I was going to have in the first segment with a former Razorback now on part, part of Team Arkansas in the TBT tournament. I don't want to release that right now because hopefully we will get them back very, very soon in the next week. That is the goal. The reason why it's not happening is because we were scheduled to do it at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, and it's probably time for me to upgrade my internet because I've had this problem a couple of times. Actually, in the last mm, probably two, three months, I've had some problems streaming, and that was the plan. We were going to do a Facebook live stream, really the first time that we've done that, I think, since our 100th episode and I worked at it for about two hours or close to that. And um, I was about ready to throw my computer out the window. So just decided that uh, I was going to start talking about a little bit of the recruiting recap before we get into Kevin's segment with Jordan. But guys, I really want to reflect a little bit because we've talked about so many times on this show how the the talent in the state of Arkansas for football and basketball in 2022, how rich it is. This football class is the best since 2008. I'm not ready to say that it's going to be better than 2008 because that remains to be seen. They're going to have to get to college. They're going to see how they all do there. But you look at what they were able to do. Now, they got Nico Davile, a defensive tackle from Maumel High School. Of course, his teammate, Andrew Chambly, the offensive tackle from Maumel, is committed already as well. But you've got those guys. You've got James Doiner. You've got Dax Courtney. You've got Caden Henley. You've got Amarian Harris. 
I'm doing that all off the top of my head. I think then J.J. Hollingsworth, that's another one. You've got all those guys already committed. And also Quincy McAdoo out of Clarendon, who is now Dax's teammate now that he's transferred from DeWitt uh, to be with his dad, who is the head coach at Clarendon. But football right there, just in general. And we've got a couple for the 23 class that I'm really excited about too. But we've got a chance to really sign a strong class there's a couple of guys from from in Texas that were that uh, are committed to. We are doing so well at committed at recruiting this state and getting the commits that we want. Now, of course, we're not done yet, but Sam Pittman, we know, as we've said so many different times, he's not going to slow down on the recruiting trail. There were three coaches, at least two, I think that John Cooper. And, uh, well, Derek LeBlanc, they, they said that he was really possibly wanting to make the move to the NFL. There were some that said it was lack of production, and some said maybe lack of recruiting. I'm not really sure, you know, what happened there. But but uh, clearly, you know, especially uh, John Cooper, uh, that was the tight ends coach that they really didn't seem to like. Now, nothing really ever came out. So you can't guarantee that that was the reasoning behind it. But some had said that, you know, that basically – essentially what it really boiled down to with him in particular, that he, he didn't really do what they were expecting him to do on the recruiting trail. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, again, the jury's really out there. The main rumor was is that he had had wanted to go to the NFL for a long time, and I'm not even sure where he's at right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that you've got a new offensive line coach with the departure of Brad Davis. Cody Kennedy moved over there eventually uh, after, eventually, or after taking over at, at the uh, tight end spot. For Cooper moves over to offensive tackle, and then Dow Loggins comes in, and that's just an absolute grand slam hire right there, guys. I mean, a former offensive coordinator in the NFL. Now I know that he wasn't always the most on the most successful teams in the world there, but you look at at Dow Loggins and his offensive mind with all that experience coming in. We know that he's not here to be a tight ends coach. He's here to recruit. He's here because he wants to be at Arkansas. And it's not just because that he wants to be at Arkansas that he's here. Sam Pittman knows that he can do what he needs to do to get the job done. He's going to have a heavy influx, I think, on this offense. I think that Kendall Bryles definitely knows what he's doing. He's proven that throughout his career. But there is no question that Dowell Loggins is going to have a heavy, a heavy impact on what they do offensively. He's going to be the guy in the box, probably like the way John Cooper was. But he's going to be able to see the field a lot more, and I'm not necessarily meaning literally, I mean just more from a insight point and knowing what more things to do just because he has more experience than Cooper did. And so there's so many factors that go in, not just recruiting-wise, but just the X's and O's part of the game too that this staff is going to bring to this team. And so, yeah, we can go we can go on and on all day, which we'll talk about plenty this summer as we get closer to the football season of what this coaching staff is going to mean as a whole to this team. But just what we're already able to do on the recruiting trail with some of the guys that they already have. Now, you know, 21, you really felt good about the way that Sam Pittman was able to finish off that class. Now, he wasn't satisfied with it, but I think realistically you have to really go back and I know that it's easy to say that we get complacent because that's definitely the case in, in, in a lot of different ways. Because with how bad Arkansas has been on, in football in particular over the last three or four years. Now, last year, I don't think we had a bad team. We played a really, really good schedule, and we didn't have the depth. 
you had certain great players at certain positions, Jalen Catalan, Traylon Burks, Ricky Stromberg. I thought Myron Cunningham did a really good job, and I think he's going to have a really big year this coming next year. Grant Morgan, Bumper Pool. Bumper Pool, I know, was had his moments, but he did show that I, I definitely think, I think it was Phil Still that was on the morning rush on Monday morning that said, Monday or Tuesday morning, whenever it was, that said that Grant Morgan and and Bumper Pool could be the best linebacker tandem in the entire country. And so with what Grant Morgan, the kind of progress that he made last year, and then you put Bumper Pool beside him, I really like that that combo, especially if they can stay healthy. It's just, as we've asked so many times for the last five or six years, what are they going to have behind them? Coming into the season, you felt good about Bumper Pool, but you really weren't sure about Grant Morgan. You weren't sure what he was able to do because he had been so inconsistent. He had talked a big game up to that point, but he didn't back it up until last season when he had that All-American year. And so I think really when it comes down to the defense, and and this is just kind of a a preview of what we're going to talk about really when we get down into position breakdowns as we go on through this summer, but the defensive line is going to be the big kicker. I think I, I do question them a lot, and I've gone on radio shows, I've said on this podcast that I'm really nervous about what is going to happen on the defensive line in terms of pass rush. Now, I think that with Barry Odom, with him having an entire offseason just to be able to work with these guys, and it, and he's, he's been with them for a season already, that the pass rush is going to look a lot better. They're, I could definitely see the defensive line taking a step forward in the way that the secondary took a step forward this past season. And so you feel really good about that because a lot of the guys, pretty much all the guys in the secondary are back, including your coach on defense that is just also happens to be a phenomenal player in Jalen Catalan. So you've got him, you've got Monteric Brown. I thought Ladarius Bishop made a lot of great progress last year. Joe Fouché, you feel really good about what you have on the defense overall for the most part, so long as you can get a pass rush. Offensive line, still a lot of questions. you got Ricky Stromberg, who could end up being a first or second round pick. Myron Cunningham, I do think he's going to have a really good year, but then again, that's up in the air too. You just don't really know, but you also got to expect that with the best offensive line coach in the country as your head coach and a great up-and-comer in Cody Kennedy – you got to feel like that KJ Jefferson is going to feel really comfortable playing quarterback and Traylon Burks is going to feel really comfortable. And on some of these young backs, like an AJ Green or whoever else might be back there, right? You really just don't. We, we've got our guys that we might think will be back there. You got to think that AJ Green is going to be in the mix, but you got a Traylon Smith back there. You got to feel comfortable. You would think that he and, and KJ Jefferson would feel comfortable back there behind that offensive line that they're going to have because they're going to have another year under Pittman. And so, the two interior lines, which is where Sam Pittman obviously likes to build his teams from, that's the biggest questions that you have. But then at the skill players, you really, especially if Davion Warren comes back healthy, and then again, you've got Traylon Burks right there. you got guys like Darren Turner that we haven't seen yet. There's so many, there's so much unproven talent that we've forgotten about that when when they were recruits, it was easy to remember. It was easy to, to talk about. But then you get all these guys together, and there's plenty of – but. You know, the same could be said about SEC talent all the way around. Same could be said for a lot of Power 5 talent all the way around. And so that really remains to be seen. But I really love what we're doing on the recruiting trail in football. But, but guys, I, I want to talk about the recruiting trail in basketball. You, you'd look at, so on, on Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, whatever you want to call it, 
Bryson Warren, the uh, by far the top the top prospect for Arkansas in 2023. Now he is going to go to uh, Link Academy up in Branson. He's leaving Central to go up there, but he has been elevated to a five star per the ESPN ranking, 16th overall. And so you got to think, who knows what's going to happen with, with with him and being a Razorback and all that. But he's going to continue to rise up the rankings. There's just no doubt about that. He's, he's very young. He's got all kinds of skill in the world. I actually talked with his coach, uh, Rodney Perry, from um, from Link Academy a couple of weeks ago. And Rodney, he's coached Trey Young. He coached Willie Cauley-Stein. He coached Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. Very excited to have him on his staff, on, on his team. But then the 22 class for basketball, I was just talking about how this might be the best football class that we've seen since 2008. But Basketball and football combined, this could end up being the best all time. And I, I know that that's a bold, bold statement, and it's an early statement, way, way too soon to be saying, but it's definitely looking like that it could possibly be that way. When you got Nick Smith Jr. and Kalel Ware and Darian Ford, all these guys in the Joseph Pinion who's already committed, there is just so much incredible talent in this state just overall. It's so rich. I mean, even in baseball – You've got a lot of underrated talent too, but I'm not so sure that Nick Smith is going to 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 be a Razorback. I know that there's definitely some work to be done from what I've heard. I feel good about Darian Ford, who is just tough as nails. He is a prototypical muscleman player, just tough as nails, can play all kinds of different. But I mean, you know, he's he might he's going to be you know like your typical guard. Probably I don't know about a typical guard is necessarily the right way. I, I've not really seen him enough to really give a full-on scouting report on him. But this past weekend, this past week, Jordan Walsh, who is one of the top prospects uh, for 22 out of out of Texas, he I know that he thought extremely highly of Coach Musselman. I mean, there was pictures of, uh, of him and, and his family hanging out with the Musselmans. And then you got Kajani Wright, the 12th overall player in the country. That's also a big-time target that we're going to have to beat out uh, – we're going to have to be USC, it looks like, for him. But the fact that we're getting these guys on campus, that is the big kicker right now. Because the thing about it is, if they go – so right now I've seen anywhere that Arkansas is going to be anywhere from 20, or from 10 to 13, I think, in the rankings. I think 10, 13, 14, 15 range. So basically the top 15. If they come out and they back that up and they have another top six, I'm not even necessarily saying that you have to have a recruiting, a, a Elite Eight type year. But if you do that, your recruiting is just going to take another step forward. You're going to continue to get these five stars on campus. We're already getting the four stars, but you're going to continue to get the high. You're getting high-level players right now, but you're still going to start continuously seeing five and and the, the top five, top ten players coming on because they're going to want to know what this is all about. You know, Coach Musselman talks about how he continuously gets players to – he knows how to get players to the NBA. He's been in those draft rooms. And and once you back it up, it's not just like Chad Morris trying to pump up the program and then you just go out and bust. This guy is getting results. And he's showing it – I mean, he's not just getting results from the top five class that he got in 2020, but on the court getting to an Elite Eight. And it showed that we still have some work to do. When we played the national, the eventual national champions in Baylor, 
in the Elite Eight, it very much showed that we had some work to do and that we're going to have to get some more dogs. As they, as Nolan Richardson was was told by Larry Johnson in 1991, when we had a really good team, but we weren't quite there yet, you need to get you some men. Not to say that we didn't have men on the team this year, but we're still not there yet. We recently just offered DJ Wagner, the top player in the 23 class out of Camden, New Jersey. And you know what? If that guy even gives us any time of day, then, I mean, we've certainly made plenty of progress. So that's the that's the ratings in the ESPN rankings, which is what I'm looking at. DJ Wagner, the top player, and then Bryson Warren is the top player, is the 16th player. And so you look at guys like this, like, like the Jordan Walsh's, like the Kajani Wright's, yeah, it's great to put a fence around your state, but the fact that we're getting the kind of attention from these guys. Jordan Walsh, the 58th player in the country right now. He's a four-star. I said I think I said he was from Texas. I think he's from Texas, but he plays in, in California. The ninth player overall in California right now. And, guys, this is as exciting time as I can think of in, in really rec- recruiting-wise in Arkansas history. We thought it was exciting under what with what Chad Morris was doing, and I continuously say that he has done some really good things. He did some really good things on the recruiting trail. That was about it. But we are reaping the benefits. I mean, you got to thank him for Jalen Catalan. you got to thank him for Traylon Burks. you got to thank him for Ricky Stromberg. I know this is kind of a recap of what we talked about the other day, but really just this past weekend just kind of brought to light for me of how great things are looking up. And it's not really just one of those coulda, woulda, shoulda. Now, I understand that you got to get the players. Yeah, we've got them on campus. you got to reel them in now. But I'm telling you guys, I really kind of took back and I was looking at all of the pictures from this weekend and seeing all the players that were up there, seeing those pictures of all the in-state guys together that are already committed for football. And I'm as hyped as I've ever been, at least uh, that I can remember, for for at least both basketball and football. So we'll get into this a lot more as the as the year, really as the summer goes along. Again, you know, we're going to be having our Wednesday shows from here on out until the first week of football. So I guess the first week of September, right around Labor Day when we play, that's when we'll go back to our Monday and Friday shows. We've got a great guest lineup this summer for you. I'm going to have plenty of, of great content. We're going to have some shows with, with multiple guests. We're going to try to get as much out there as we can. We're going to talk anywhere from recruiting to player development to the baseball draft to baseball in general. Kevin has done a phenomenal job of getting not just Razorback baseball content out there, but we're trying to – you don't really see a lot of coverage to the extent – now, we're probably not going to be able to do it to the point that they do for football and basketball, but he's done a great job of, of prepping – of prompting up these high school kids, whether they're playing summer ball or whether they're playing in high school. That's what we're trying to do. You know, we really try to differentiate ourselves from everybody else by, you know, it it seems like since the women's game has uh, really picked up that there's been more coverage with Arkansas media, but you know, we definitely pride ourselves in saying that we've been doing that for a long time and, and we're happy to because everybody deserves that, especially if they're Razorbacks, we want to cover it. And that's what we try to do. And, and so, you know, from women's sports to to the baseball coverage, whatever it may be, you know, we're going to do all kinds of stuff this summer. We'll have multiple guests on to talk about that. And we've also got a, uh, I guess by the time this drops, we won't have made the announcement yet, but we've got some really big news coming up that uh, by you'll see it on our social media pages. Of course, you can find us at The Hog Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We've got a lot of big stuff coming up on there. And so, 
Uh, I think that's going to do it uh, for me here. Up next, we got Kevin and Jordan Wicks from Kansas State, former Arkansan, will be going in the MLB draft here in the next couple of weeks. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe, and hit that line, Podcast Network. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 202 of the Hog Talk podcast. I'm Kevin Bohannon, and we are joined today by Jordan Wicks, formerly of the Conway Wampus Cats and Kansas State Wildcats. Welcome, Jordan. Thanks for having me. You bet. Over the next couple of weeks leading up to the MLB draft on July 11th, um, we're going to have a couple of special guests, Jordan being the first one, and he will be the first player with Arkansas ties likely taken off the board. Uh, Jordan, let, let's let's go back to Conway High School and talk about your experience there. Y'all got really close a few times um, at Baum Stadium. What was it like playing under Coach Boucher? It was awesome. Um, you know, you, you talk about playing for a guy that that fights for his players like he did. You know, made made playing high school baseball such an enjoyable experience. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, he's going to challenge you on the field, but he only wants the best for you. And he, he prepares you for college baseball in a way like nobody else. Um, and he's a guy that I, I still talk to, to this day, still have a really good relationship with to this day. And, and that's what I think it's all about, you know, is, is when you, when you get done there, you know, wanting to come back and, and see those coaches, see those people that made such a big impact on your life. Yeah. And Conway has had, you know, a really good baseball tradition. You talk about the people that have had an impact on your life. Talk a little bit about uh, Coach Scott Stroth and what kind of impact he had. I know you named him as probably one of the most influential people in, in your baseball career. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he's a guy that that coached me and, and taught me the basics of the game since I was since I was five years old all the way up until I was 18. Um, you know, he he had a huge impact in my life every step of the way. Um, you know, it was it was an honor to go play uh, college baseball at the same place he played. Um, and, you know, he's he's another guy that I still have a really great relationship, talk to him all the time. Um, you know, and he's he's a guy that you just you can't thank him enough for what what he's the impact he's had uh, on my life. And, um, you know, he's he's a relationship I'll hold close to me for 
for the rest of my life. Yeah, and it, it's fun being around him because he's got a ton of baseball knowledge, played for a long time, and I've gotten to be around him during the summer, coach, coaching with the prospects the last three years. We, we've had the same age group, so it, it's really cool having those people in your corner and uh, uh, they're like an extended family, so to speak. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, he's a guy that, that has baseball knowledge in every area, you know, from different positions, from, you know, his playing days, his coaching days, um, everything. And, you know, like, like you said, just, just being able to talk to those guys, pick their brain and, and, you know, kind of see what they're thinking um, is, is an honor for sure. Let's talk about your recruitment a little bit. Um, of course, Kansas State has developed a little bit of a pipeline here recently. Of course, you were the, the first one to, to go out of the 2018 class, and they've got a couple commitments. Landry Jerica from Greenwood in 2020. Uh, Gage Wood is still committed right now for the 2022 class. But talk about your recruitment, uh, some of the schools that um, missed on you and, and how Kansas State benefited. Yeah, you know, I was a guy where um... – I committed uh, the fall before my senior year, um, you know, probably I think like the month before my senior year started, um, which seems crazy nowadays because it seems like you got kids committing <laughs> yeah. in like eighth grade nowadays. Right. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was definitely considered probably more of a later commitment. Um, but, you know, going into it, it was a town, it was a college town, you know, everything up there was Kansas State. I love that. Um, you know, you had family printed everywhere on the walls, which is something that's huge for me, just, you know, being able to kind of line up my morals and theirs. You know, I felt like there was a big connection there. And one of the biggest things for me is I felt like there was a huge opportunity to go there and play right away. Um, and you talk about, you know, wanting to go to people want to go to programs with with the big lights and the big, you know, shiny uh, stage to play on. Um, but I think the biggest thing, most important thing is you got to go somewhere you're going to play. Um, because that's where you're going to develop personally. And so it was something to where I went into that program thinking I could start on the weekend as a freshman um, and still be playing Big 12 baseball. And so, you know, it was an opportunity that I, that I jumped on. Um, it was one where, you know, I was, I was extremely excited about it going into it. Um, and then they actually brought in a new coaching staff um, the month before I got there. <laughs> um, they were bringing in new coaching staff. So that was, that was definitely something that was a little nerve wracking at first. Um, but you know, it, it couldn't have turned out any better for me. Uh, they, they hired an absolutely incredible staff and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was very much a blessing in disguise. That's for sure. And you had immediate success right away. You broke K-State freshman records for innings pitched and strikeouts with over 84 innings pitched, 86 strikeouts, your big 12 freshman of the year. What was it like going in and expecting that success? Because having known you for a while, you're a competitor at heart. That that you get up, and that that's what you go out and do. You compete. But what was it like that, and how did you capitalize upon that success? Yeah, you know, it was it was something to where um, the biggest thing when you're competing at that level is you know getting ready to compete against those guys. Because when you come in as a freshman, you're you know, your, your body is, is not in shape to compete with a lot of the grown men. So the biggest thing you got to do is, is compete in the weight room the first time you step on campus in the fall. Because if your body physically is not ready to compete at that level, you, you won't have any success. And so that's the mindset I took into it early on was I'm going to push myself harder than I ever have in the weight room um, because that's what's going to prepare me to be ready on the field. 
Um, and then going into the spring, it was something to where, you know, my goal every time I go out and, and it's still my goal every time I go out is, is when I leave that mound, I want us to be in a position to win the ball game. And, um, you know, that was, that was kind of my mindset the entire spring. And, you know, it's amazing how when you kind of break it down pitch by pitch and just focus on winning one pitch at a time, um, by the end of the game, you look up and you're, you're in a pretty good position. And so that's kind of the mindset I carried throughout the whole freshman year. Um, I mean, if you'd, if you'd asked me at the beginning of freshman year, if, you know, I thought I was going to be freshman of the year in the Big 12, um, I'd have probably told you you were crazy. <laughs> I definitely had uh, I definitely had aspirations for being a weekend starter. I definitely thought I could do that. Right. Um, but, you know, it it going as as well as as it did um, was something I definitely feel like I worked toward the entire time. Um, and, and like you said, that that competitive mindset played a huge role in it. Now, you, along with everybody else, lost a lot of 2020 and the, the start you had. You made four weekend starts. You were three and ERA, and that that's one earned run in twenty six innings. So that really caught the eye of not only college baseball around the nation, but MLB scouts as well. You parlayed that into a summer in the Northwoods League that really put yourself on the radar of being one of the the top left handed pitchers in the nation. So talk about that. And how, how much better you got from your freshman year to sophomore and then on into the summer? Yeah, um, you know, it was definitely I knew from heading from freshman year into sophomore year, there were a lot of steps I needed to to take advantage of. Um, my last two starts of, of my freshman year were, were my worst, which honestly, you know, looking back on it was a really good thing for me because it gave me that mindset of, you know, I've got a lot to work on there. You know, I haven't arrived. There's so much stuff I got to get better at. And so it kind of springboarded me into the summer and working my butt off in the summer to get even better. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, sophomore year got a lot better. Um, the velo jumped a little bit, the changeup played better. We started throwing a, a slider that was better than one I had in the past. Um, and, you know, I kind of looked at whenever everything got shut down for COVID, I looked at it as, you know, okay, this is my time to look at where I want to be what steps I need to take to get there and how I get there. And so one thing I did was I kind of went back to the drawing board with my breaking ball, trying to get something that was a little firmer, a little tighter, had sharper break. And, you know, I went, I went into the Northwoods, wasn't having real great success with it. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to work on Northwoods was being able to throw inside to righties and lefties more. Right. Being able to own both sides of the plate. And, um, you know, the Northwoods was a great opportunity to do that because, you know, you go into summer ball and, it's not that the games don't matter, but they just they carry a little less weight than, um, you know, like conference games in the Big 12. And mm -hmm. so it gives you the freedom to work on stuff that you normally wouldn't work on or throw stuff in counts that you normally wouldn't throw it. And it allows you to do that kind of experimenting with a lot of your pitches and um, doing certain stuff like that. So going, going into the Northwoods, it was huge for me to build that confidence. And, you know, just overall, it kind of, you know, springboarded me into the position I am in now. So let's talk about the changeup. It, it, it's been rated as the best in the draft by MLB.com and given a, a, a 20 to 80 grade of 65, which is above average. It's a plus pitch. Talk about the development of it and how it became a true out pitch for you. Yeah, so the changeup was always a pitch to me where, 
Um, I, uh, it, it had a lot of potential to be really good. And it was something to where until I started to command it and really attack people with it in the zone, it wasn't going to take off because everything I wanted with it was I wanted to start everything on the corner. I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted no one to hit it. And the changeup is a pitch that you want people to swing at. You want to get those swings and misses. And so the, the reason to do that is, you know, I took the mentality of wanting it on the edge every time to I'm going to throw it right down the middle because it's got enough dive. It's got enough action to where if I start it down the middle, hitters are going to think, OK, fastball down the middle, let's go. And then it's just going to dive off out of the zone. And that's when it really took off from a good pitch to a great pitch, just from the mentality of where I throw it, how aggressively I throw it and, you know, throwing it as hard as I can and trusting the grip, trusting my arm action and just letting the grip do the work. Do you think it's one of the first pitches that all left-handers need to learn? Absolutely. Um, you know, especially in, in today's game where everyone talks about, you know, spin rate and, you know, throwing hard and below, 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 hard sliders. The biggest, the biggest counter to a hitter in terms of below is a changeup. It's a great equalizer, I consider. Yep. Because if you can get it to disguise right as your fastball – it's something where when you get those big swingers, especially now today, when you got people that take huge hacks trying to hit home runs as far as they can, it's something that, you know, kind of puts that doubt in the back of their mind of, am I seeing a fastball? Am I seeing a changeup? And, you know, it's something that helps, helps your fastball play up because when you've got, when you've got that changeup behind it, that fastball almost picks up about two or three miles an hour just because they look the exact same. Right. And, you know, th throughout the summer, we we've gotten to see some, some youngsters, you know, develop their changeups. And it, with you, you're, you're throwing it low 80s and your fastball is usually 90 to 93. But when you throw that changeup, that, that fastball goes from 90 to 93 to 94 to 97 and may look 98. So it, it's, it's really deceptive. And I'm glad you said that because. A lot of kids now that they want to just you – know, they want to learn the slider. They want to learn the curveball. And it, with, with the talk about spin rates and how much baseball has evolved, yes, it's a measuring stick. But the, the great question is now is how do you develop spin rate? How do you get better at spin rate? Yeah, you know, and, and something like that comes from just playing around with grips, um, you know, and just seeing, like, what works well for you, what you – what you can throw with intent, what you can, you know, generate out of the hand. Um, it's something to where it's, you know, there's, they talk about all the time and it's, it's obviously a hot topic now with, um, you know, what's going on in major league baseball with all the, all the sticky substances and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting because spin rate something that's very new. So we're just kind of learning a lot about it. Right. Um, and people are still trying to figure out, you know, how do you increase spin rate? And I think honestly, the, the true way to do it is just, you know, how like finger pressure and grips. Um, and it's something, especially for young pitchers that I, I wouldn't focus on at all. Um, the biggest things you need to focus on, especially for high school pitchers is, is commanding three pitches. Um, you know, being able to locate your off speed stuff, being able to locate it in the zone. Cause if you can throw three pitches for strikes in the zone, there's a good chance you'll have success at many different levels. I think a changeup is, is one of the most important ones because, you know, it's, it's not a pitch that's, you know, people would consider sexy, not a pitch that has a lot of visual appeal to it, but it's also one of the most effective and one of the most deadly. Yep. 
And you recently got to go to the very first MLB combine. You, you were out in Cary, North Carolina. Um, it, it's a combine for the top prospects in the draft. I believe they had around 170 uh, athletes there from high school and college. And you, you took part in it. Talk a little bit about it, um, how it was, and what, what, what were the highlights of the weekend? Yeah, the um, the highlights of the weekend were definitely meeting a lot of the uh, meeting a lot of the uh, big leaguers that were out there. Right, there were a lot of um, you know. I, I remember uh, Fred McGriff was out there, um, Raul Abanez, Gregor Blanco. Um, you know, were just some of the guys that I met, and you know, it was so cool just seeing those guys and hearing their story and kind of hearing you know what they um, their experiences, what they get to talk about, um, you know, and they're kind of, the great thing about them is all those guys are very receptive, you know? So every one of them always said, you know, if you guys need anything, any questions, anything like that, you know, don't hesitate to ask. So they were, they were great for us about, you know, being resources. And they always talked about that, you know, because they're, they've already been where a lot of us are trying to get, you know, so it's something to where it was really cool to be able to go up to them and be like, okay, you know, how do you know, how do you feel about this? Or how did this go for you? You know, what was your biggest learning curve? Um, and one of the coolest parts also was, you know, getting to do, getting to do an interview with Harold Reynolds um, and Greg Amsinger for, for MLB Network. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, those are, those are guys you see on TV all the time and, and you hear them on TV all the time. And then now, now being in that position um, was something that was, it was, it was really awesome. And, you know, it's an event that MLB did and, you know, it's just going to keep getting better and better. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool because you always see the NFL combine and that that's been a big deal for a long time. So, and they had the MLB draft league this year for the, for some, I I would say fringe level prospects that weren't playing postseason baseball that they could get out there in front of a lot of scouts. So I'm looking forward to see it develop over the next couple of years and see what they, what they do with it, how they tinker it. uh, If it's going to be, you know, just a cattle call, like some of the NFL combines, that's what it's looked like. But I think they did a really good job of, you know, you got to meet with a lot of teams while you were out there. So that that's another thing that that you might not have done in, during the process where they, they got a really good chance to look at you. So uh, really look, interested to look, see how that develops over the next couple of years. So the draft's July 11th. What, what are the plans for the draft? Yeah, so I'll – um. I'll be out there in Denver um, in person for the draft. Um, you know, they're, de- they're making it more in person to where it's kind of, I think they're kind of trying to script it after, you know, the, the NFL or NBA draft where, you know, you got the prospects there and, um, you know, there's a big stage and they walk out there um, with the commissioner and everything. I think that's how it's going to go. Now, this is the first time they've done it. Um, so I'll be really interested to see how exactly they're going to do it. Um, and I'm really excited to see how it's going to be, but, you know, I think, I think they're going to do a great job. It's something they really tried to put a lot of emphasis on this year. Um, and so I'm excited to head out there, uh, for the draft. Yeah. And I know we'll definitely be following along and I know you've made the, the, the city of Conway, the Arkansas prospects, uh, Kansas state and the state of Arkansas proud. Uh, but I got to ask you before we go, and I know you've talked to a lot of teams. Do you have a feeling one way or the other leading up to the draft where you might go? Man, I, uh, I don't, you know, it's something that I feel like, I feel like from now until the draft is going to change every single day. Uh, right. You know, and it's something that's, that's one thing the teams do a really great job of is they, they keep their cards close to their chest for sure. Um, you know, and it's something to where you don't ever realize, um, 
you know, kind of what a, like a favorite or, you know, what, um, you know, who you might go to probably until yeah. I'm guessing right before the draft, um, you, you know, you might have an idea or not, but you know, it's, it might be one of those deals where, you know, I know when you guys know, uh, <laughs> on TV, so you might be, you might be finding out for the first time, right. When I am. There you go. Yeah. For some reason I I get a heads up. I'll make sure and give you a call. Appreciate it. Hey, um, let's talk. You had some really big personal news come up lately and want to talk a little bit. Congratulations on getting engaged uh, to to Miss Megan Lee. She's she's an athlete herself. So uh, the future of the prospects is in good hands. And she is the brother of Evan Lee. Uh, who, who's already in, in pro ball right now. So congratulations on that. Uh, talk a little bit about what you and Evan have, have talked shop about over, you know, the last couple of years and comparing notes. Yeah, you know, thank you. Um, it, was, it was an awesome day. Um, you know, it's something that you, you definitely only get to do once. And, um, you know, we, we definitely did it about as well as, as, well as we could have. Um, you know, so it was an awesome day with, with family and everything. But, um, yeah, you know, it was an interesting thing, um, you know, marrying, getting to marry Evan's sister, um, you know, it's something to where we, Evan and I honestly worked out together a lot over quarantine during that shutdown right. time. Um, you know, we lifted together, threw together, all that sort of stuff. And it's honestly really good for um, the both of us because the two of us, we always talk about, you know, if we could combine into one, uh, one pitcher, um, yeah. we'd be almost unhittable. No doubt. <laughs> he's a guy, he's a guy that has a really good curveball, spins it really well. Um, you know, has the great four seam fastball as well. Um, you know, and his his one thing to where if he could, you know, kind of enhance that part of his game is definitely his changeup. Um, and so I've talked to him a lot about mine and you know how mine works, how I throw it, you know, and we've we've worked a lot on that. Um, and I'm the exact opposite, you know, my my uh strength is is the changeup and you know, the area that I um, really want to get better at is spinning it and throwing a curveball and, and stuff like that. So we we definitely kind of have exchanged a lot of um, a lot of insight on on how we throw ours, how we you know, how our pitches look. Um, and it's something that's that's been awesome. You know, we definitely take a uh, iron sharpens iron mentality to it. And, you know, it's something to where we will always probably work out together and always kind of you know, share advice and show each other how stuff or tell each other how stuff looks, how it's going. Um, and it's, it's awesome. You know, I just, I, I couldn't be more blessed to be married into that family. Um, you know, there's good people up and down that family and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something that, um, you know, I'm marrying a girl that's about twice as athletic as I am. So, you know, hopefully <laughs> my kid will be, uh, hopefully our kid will be, uh, left-handed playing center field instead of first base like me. So there you go. Hey, hey, don't discount the athleticism, Jordan, because <laughs> what a lot of people don't know is you were an all-conference kicker, weren't you? I was, yep. All-conference <laughs> kicker in high school back in the glory days. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, man, I greatly appreciate you coming on. We're really pulling for you. We'll keep our fans and our, our listeners up to date, but uh, thank you for coming on with us. Absolutely. It was good to talk to you. Thanks, buddy. And uh, Hog fans, uh, baseball fans, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, uh, make sure you leave us a comment so we can get better content out to you. And until next time, Kev, for Jordan Wicks, this is Kevin Bohannon. We'll see you. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.